And turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. It is a fear of mine that we wholeheartedly in great big gulps have swallowed a lie. You have heard it numerous times, so many times, that you accept it as true. And what is, it, what is that lie? That lie is this. Well, we're going to sin. I mean, you know, it's just going to happen, right? I mean, you know, we're sinners, so we're going to sin. And there's nothing we can do about it, and so maybe we shouldn't feel so bad about it all the time. I mean, after all, Jesus died for our sin, and so sin for a Christian is different, right? It's not that big a deal, right? That is absolutely wrong. Sin both certainly is different for a Christian. It's worse. It was very loud. Please forgive me for that. But it is. It is worse. Why? Because we know what Christ endured because of our sin. And how can we who put our faith in Christ, living in a relationship with him, live in sin? And so I ask you, are you able to not sin? Interesting proposed question. I'll tell you this. The Bible tells us that we have this old nature. It is a sin nature. And every longing is rebellion against God. But those of us who have put our faith in Christ receive a new nature. And so we have this old nature and this new nature that longs and desires to please God. Which one has the greatest influence in your life? There's an old saying, you know, about... Uh, you, you, inside you got the, the big dog who's evil and growling and you got that little poppy face that loves to just wag his tail all over the... And if, if they go at it, the, the good dog, and who, which one is going to win? And the answer is this, the one you feed the most. So which nature are you feeding in your life? If you are feeding this new nature, studying the word of God, singing praises and worshiping him, loving him, trying to obey him that he might be honored before men, women, and children, my friends, it's going to be a whole lot harder to sin. Because those who we love, really hard to sin against. Hear what I say, love you can't love someone and sin against them at the same time. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3, we read, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addressed you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. The goal of discipline is to eliminate something from our lives. When does the Lord discipline us? When we have sinned, when we are acting in rebellion. And this, this discipline takes all kinds of shapes and forms and experiences. But one thing is sure, that if the Lord is disciplining you, he'll make it clear. 
He'll make it clear. I ask you this. Some of you still know we're going we to sin. It's what we're going to do. Let me ask you this. Anybody here murdered anybody last week? Anybody? Anybody have the thought cross your mind? I would like to run that person off the road into the tree, rolling over and over and over for the fact that they looked at me while they came into my lane right next to me. Happened as I was on vacation here, you know? I'm like, what is wrong with people? And we get angry. Or people who just leave you out as if you don't exist. And there are all kinds of reasons it's okay to be a sinner, right? But you can easily not murder anyone. I'm guessing none of us has murdered anybody, right? Can you not tell a lie? I mean, do you have to lie to people? Or is it a choice? It's a choice, my friend. And so why be so sloppy in our choices? Certainly, we know what sin is and what isn't, right? And certainly, our heart condemns that which is sin. Built along with it is anxiety, shame, and guilt. Ain't nobody looking for that these days, but here we are over and over and over again. So when do we start paying attention? Take a look here with me, if you will. In verse 3 of chapter 5 in the book of Ephesians. In verses 1 and 2, Paul talks about love. Recall, love is a sacrificial investment in someone else. We act for the good of somebody else, not ourselves. Sin is acting for our own benefit, temporary though it may be, for our pleasure, for our distraction, for a feeling, for a whatever it might be, the motivation. But it is inherently selfish. The goal of sin is me, 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 me. Sin is selfishness. I could care less about the glory of God, the good of other people around me. I act only for my benefit. And so what a transition we have here. And Paul is going to tell us, my friend, there is no room for that in the Christian life. Take a look here at verse 3. This word, but, is a word of contrast. We've just been talking about love, but in contrast to that, Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. This is not God's will for your life, my friends. Sin is not proper for a follower of Christ. He's talking to the church here, my friends. What was he talking to the church about sexual immorality? By the way, the, the word sexual immorality is a translation of one word. Uh, the root of it is porneia. Does that sound like a word that might be familiar? Porneia, it is where we get the word pornography. Sexual immorality, contrary to the design of God, that one man... And one woman love one another for the rest of their lives. 
with Melanie, I have, you know, you, you make that promise, I love you, you have no idea what you're talking about when you say it, suddenly it becomes clear that, hey, I've got to invest in this person regardless of how it makes me feel, whether it's convenient, whatever the case is. Hey, you ever have a baby, you know? Good luck putting them on a schedule, huh? Oh, no, we're not getting up at 2 a.m. That's not going to happen. Yes. <laughs> had a screaming baby in my bed last night. It's not a euphemism for Melanie or anything, but just a two-and-a-half-year-old, and she comes screaming away. There's no reasoning in such a thing. You love them regardless of your feeling. You know, what is the feeling you got on your mind? Leave me alone. I'm trying to sleep. I want that. I want. What does that baby need? That's love right there, right? Isn't that how that works? Love. But sexual immorality is inherently selfish. I like the way she makes me feel. I feel so good having had a conversation with her. He listens to me, not like my husband. He's always doing something and tugging your heart away, giving it away, dishonoring God in every decision. It is not proper for the saints. Come on, friends, who hasn't heard some Christian leader some way somewhere, locally or otherwise, and we have watched them minister faithfully, and we've heard them preach, or we've watched them serve, and we've said, oh, such models for the church. And suddenly in the news is, is they're sleeping with some other woman, and we how could this be? How in the world does this fit into that? And that is the point. These things are so foreign they ought not to be named among us, my friends. We are about to enter the Christmas season, the season of advertisements. Coming across your screen, coming in your newspaper, on your TV. Look at this. It's new, it's brighter, it's better. You gotta have it. It's a dangerous thing. Because we buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. It is a silly thing. It is a silly thing. Yeah. So we buy it with money we don't have. Covetousness. It ought not be named among us. My friends, our destiny is heaven. We are citizens of heaven. We ought to be living in that regard. Look at that. We've covered like nine words here. But it's not proper. Have I got your attention? Sin is not normal for a Christian. It's not how we ought to be living, friends. God has a different will for our life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 3, 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 3, this is what we read. For this is the will of God your sanctification. What is sanctification? It is the process in which from the inside out, the Spirit of God is using the Word of God and the circumstances in your life to conform you to the character of Christ. It is us living in the truth 
of the fact that we are righteous before God. So we ought to be making some righteous choices, things that are right in the eyes of God. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God, that no one transgress or wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all of these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Get sin out of your life. Stop giving into it. Feelings are a terrible, terrible guide to how to live, my friends. Live in light of the truth. So, my friends, hear me. It's not proper for saints. And this is not God's will for your life. It is holiness to which we have been called. And then here in verse 4, instead, give thanks. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Hmm. Watch the tongue. It is a small member, but great evil comes from it. Carelessness of the tongue. Foolish, jesting. Paul says, stop the clowning around with the tongue. You start to get yourself in dangerous areas. Talking about someone. Saying harsh and nasty things. Now, let us um, also understand this. You say, well, I've never committed adultery. No, you know, Jesus said, if it happens in your head, it's sin. If you have looked on a woman with lust, Jesus says, you have committed adultery. Friends, you need to be in the word of God, every last one of us, that the word of God just dwells in our mind, in our heart, and everything that we hear and experience and see is filtered by that. We instantly, you know how the conscience works? We have the conscience. The conscience is, is like a door. We'll let that in, we'll let that go. Conscience, see, a lot, a lot of times we just, we th think of it like a scale, okay? And we weigh every experience of our life, every action that we're about to take, we weigh it. And what do we weigh it against? Now, there's the key right there. If we weigh it against, well, what do other people do? How do they talk? How do they dress? What's important to them? Goes on in your mind. If that becomes a scale, my friends, sin in abundance, because that's the way the world lives. What ought to be on our other end of the scale is the Word of God. 
Does this honor him? Is this consistent with God, what God has called me to do and how I ought to live? It's the scale. If you don't have the word of God in you, Fred, your scale's busted. And it'll show up in your life. That's how sin so easily slips in among us. We look around, we don't even notice it. And suddenly we look just like the world. And my friends, it ought not to be so. It ought not to be so. Paul says you're going to use your tongue, use it to give thanks. What does it mean to give thanks? I mean, we, you know, we're days away from Thanksgiving here. What does that even mean anyway? Come on, surely that's crossed your mind. You know, all the families, are the busyness in the kitchen, we finally get it all together. The guys are clowning around and the ladies are wondering why they won't come in and help. Let that sink in for a moment, men. All right. Or women, depending on, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> oh, how I love Family Bible Church. I surely do. That's you, by the way. Surely isn't the bricks. When was the last time you were truly thankful? Thankful that starts in the heart that starts on the inside, that causes you to say something, do something, or maybe even not do something, like stay out of the kitchen when you're wife. <laughs> hey, let, that works on an individual basis, my friends. <laughs> but seriously, when was it? This week, I, uh, I had a very clear opportunity to be grateful for something. Uh, one of my daughters had some car problems in that her car would just simply shut off. Driving 45 miles an hour down, you know, Willow Creek, and suddenly there's no engine, you know, and, Dad, will you come and get me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be there, you know, and so here's traffic, and what does traffic look like when somebody's on the side of the road, you know? There's 18 people lined up waiting for them to turn, you know, <laughs> and, and it's just, you know, chaos, and it's very stressful because you want to get out of the way, you know, so I get there, and I'm thinking, it's a little tiny car, I can push it. You know, so I'm about ready to start, and lo and behold, a car pulls up behind us. And out comes a young and enthusiastic man who says, I'll help. And you know what? Cars are heavier than they were than when I was younger. <laughs> and I was just, I shook that guy's hand four times. You know, just the enthusiasm of how grateful I was. That, that he showed up, he inconvenienced himself to help us. What about you? When's the last? See, that's what we're talking about when we talk about gratitude. You totally get it. You're like, oh my goodness, what would I have done? When's the last time you were grateful for God in your life? It's not just the words, baby. It's not just the words. No, it's not. And so, my friends, sin is not proper for saints. It's not proper. We are saints. The word saints means we have been set apart for God's purposes. And we have been set apart for him and for his purposes. And sin is not proper 
it's not something that ought to be in our lives. You ought to be working hard to battle against this. Again, the writer Hebrews, you haven't even struggled even to the point of, you know, bleeding (coughs) to resist, giving the impression that we ought to be working that hard. So, my friends, reason number two why you ought not to be sinning, why you ought to battle every sin and every bad habit in your life to drive it out. Reason number two is this in verse five. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral (coughs) or impure or who is covetousness, and Paul adds this, he says, that is an idolater. How is covetousness idolatry? Oh, i got to get me one of those. i got to save up. What can I, if I buy one now and a couple of paychecks, I can pay for it. And, uh, you know, and we long for these things. It's covetousness. And these things become our God because we serve. I'll work more. I'll sell, I'll eat, I'll buy less. I'll have everything so I can get this thing. Friends, that's the attitude we ought to have about God. How can I serve him? What can I sacrifice for him that he might be honored, that one more person might come to faith in Jesus Christ? But you will notice this, my friends, that if you continue on in sin, you will notice this. It excludes you from an inheritance. Sin is the mark of those who are lost. Covetous, idolaters. This is not the mark of a Christian. What is the mark of a Christian? Love. Love. Know us by the love that we have for one another. Love is self-sacrificing. Sin is I will sacrifice everything about you for the good of me. That is sin. So you will notice that sin is the mark of the lost, and sinners have no place in the kingdom of God. That's exactly, look at what Paul said. For you may be sure of this. Hey, don't miss this, Paul is saying. Underline this, pay special attention. Do I got to talk a little louder? Don't miss this. You can be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. No inheritance whatsoever. If sin is the mark of your life, my friends, you are not in Christ Jesus. Because the impact of Christ in our life is holiness. Holiness, purity. You know what purity is? One thing. You know, what was the soap that was 99 and 44% pure? <laughs> Yeah, the word pure should not be included because pure means one thing, one focus, one purpose, one battle. I live for him. So there it is, my friend. No inheritance for those whose lifestyle is sin. 1 John chapter 3, John writes, Verse 7, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, 
as he is righteous. But whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's sin, my friends. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. And by this, it is evident who the children of God are. And who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. They're connected. Do you see that? Love and sin, they're opposites. Sin is me, 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 me. Love is you, 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 you. It's Melanie, if you're wondering. (laughs) And you, and you, and you, and you, and everybody I come across. Because the way I ought to see life is everyone I come across is a divine appointment of God for me to love them in whatever way is proper in that circumstance. Perhaps loving them with a kind word Perhaps loving them with a kind action. Looking to see who is around me. And how can I serve them? And they ask themselves, what's different about that guy? And the answer is Jesus. Not because I know how to act, which is a struggle in my heart. Am I a kind person or do I just know how to look kind? Those ought to be the questions that we wrestle with. Why do I do what I do? Because, my friends, acting kind is manipulation. It is certainly the first steps of being kind is knowing how to do good to other people. But why we do it makes all the difference. All the difference? Absolutely. So sin is the mark of those who are lost. Sinners have no place in the kingdom of God. And reason number three, why your life must not be marked by sin. Why we ought to battle it every time it raises its head. Is because God's wrath will come upon you. Paul says, don't anyone, let no one be deceived. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Don't be deceived on this matter. Do not be deceived on this matter, Paul says. Because in the world in which he ministers, there are these people that were called the Gnostics. That word uh, is is the, the basis of knowledge. Gnosis, knowledge. And what they taught is that what you do with your body doesn't matter. The only thing that counts is the spirit. So sin, hey, go and have a good time, but just, you know, make sure you're clean on the inside. (laughs) As if you could separate the two. But it's what they taught. And you know what? It was very popular. (laughs) Hey, let's go do some stuff that makes us happy and feel good. Yeah, don't be deceived, my friends. God is not mocked. Let no one deceive you with empty words. And so lie number one is sin doesn't matter. What you do in your body doesn't count. Don't worry about it. 
Lie number two is even worse. This one is offensive to me and makes me want to spit after saying it. Your sins are forgiven by Jesus already. He paid the price. So what's the big deal? Yeah. Yeah, Jesus covered that one. It's different for us. I got nothing to worry. It's not like we're going to hell or anything. Is that how you see your sin? There's a spit in the face of your Lord and Savior Jesus who died. Every sin is like pounding a nail. Here, die for this one. That's how we ought to see our sin. It's thrusting a spear in his side. It is betrayal. And how? How could we allow ourselves to live that way? How? Lie number two. Our sin is different. It's been paid for. Yeah, our sin is worse because we know better. In Romans chapter 6, Paul addressed this very, very common thought. In Romans 6 verse 1, Paul wrote, What shall we say then? Are we to continue on in sin that grace may abound? I mean, every sin is covered. So the more we sin, the more grace, right? And that honors God with all that grace, right? Paul said, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life, that we might live differently. We've got to battle sin. And notice this, my friends. God's wrath will come upon sinners. Don't be deceived because God's wrath is the destiny of sinners. Look at here at the end of, uh, of verse 6. For because of these things, these sins, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. That expression, sons of disobedience, means their life is marked by rebellion against God. So how common is sin in your life? Oh, you know, not the big stuff. Just the stuff you think you're hiding from everyone. That is the stuff, my friends, of rebellion. Stomp it out. And finally, the number four reason why we have got to put a battle against sin in our life, to root it out and to get it out, to fight it whenever that urge comes along. It's because you and I are the light of the world. You and I, like little Christs, are everything that people will know about God. You want to know what they're like? Well, look at the Christians. When I was a kid, 
played basketball. My good friend, his name was Rick, Rick Sebring. We played a lot of sports together, tackling and shoving and everything else. I mean, we just had a really great guy time together. One particular time I was over at his house, we were playing basketball, as I recall, and his older brother Randy was there. And I was telling some story that was absolutely not true, and Randy called me on it. He said, you're lying. And Rick said, and this haunts me to this day, he says he goes to church. He wouldn't lie. Right? He's a follower of Christ. She wouldn't do that. It doesn't fit. It's not proper. We're the light. We're what the, we are examples of the truth so people can know what it is like to live in a relationship with God. Paul says, verse 7. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time, you were all darkness, every single one of us. But now, you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. That means live in this truth. Live in obedience to God. Verse 9, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. (coughs) Good, goodness. Goodness is something that the Spirit of God is producing in us, and we live it out. The truth, we speak it. We don't manipulate people's thoughts of us so they think better of us. We are honest, people of integrity. Fruit of the light is found in what is good and what is right and what is true. This ought to be the mark of who we are, my friends. Hmm. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, living to please Him. You know, like newlyweds who fall all over the, oh, I'll get it for you, honey. Let me get it for you. Oh, I'll take care of that. I'll do that. We fall all, you know, we're, we're just obsessed with one another. It's how we ought to always be about God. But it's so quick for us to remember we deserve hell. We deserve separation from anything that is remotely even good or okay. Any kind of comfort whatsoever. And instead, the God who is just and letting loose his wrath on us chose to love us instead. And Christ took on flesh and lived as a man and suffered, cursed on, spat upon, and he died for you. That you might live, my friends, if there is ever a reason to be grateful, that is it. Our gratitude ought to show up in the way that we live. Not trying to put on an act, but working to be different. And so we have been transformed. We used to be darkness, but now we are light. And as light... 
Our job is to expose sin. Take no part, verse 11, in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Our job is to make sin look even worse because there is a different way. I don't know what kind of folks you have. My mom was just a godly, God-loving woman, worshipped and praised God and so many. I mean, she, she just walked the walk. And there are things that I would do with my friends and things that I would say that I would never say in front of her. Why? Because she'd get a belt and start whacking me because of the shame that it would bring to her. That ought to be how we live in our relationship with God. How could we bring shame to his name? How could we do that? How? Well, my friends, I want you to notice this truth carefully here. In our Bible to go. In our Bible to go, the sermon in a sentence is this. Our inability to stop sinning is directly connected to our willingness to stop sinning. The reason we continue on in sin is because we have no intention of doing otherwise. It is my hope today that we've made some progress there in our minds to know that we ought to recognize it, say no to it for the glory of God, not to walk around and Look, you make some progress in that, come and we will celebrate that. But not to shove it in people's noses. Well, I don't do that. That's sin. But to honor him, to honor God who died to forgive us of those sins. So how are you going to do it? I want to suggest a few ways. The first is this, pay attention. Pay attention to what comes out of your mouth. Pay attention to your habits. Pay attention to your lifestyle. Ask yourself a question. Do I live in such a way that honors God before the people around me? Do people know what is best about God by looking at my life? Pay attention. Habit number two, make it right. If you sin, make it right with the person you've sinned against and make it right with God. Think of Joseph, Potiphar's wife, coming in, lay with me, beautiful, wealthy woman. Come and lay with me. Come, I have made my bed all the time. No one will know. Come. How could I sin against God and do such a thing? How do we, how do we get that in our head? 
how can I sin against God? Know that every time you do, you say, well, no, it, it didn't have anything to do with God. It had everything to do with God. Everything. So make it right. For if you confess your sin to God every time you sinned, you would be far more aware of your sin, my friends. And you would certainly be more inclined to not repeat it. And finally, grow your love for God. Become more invested in God. Take more of your life out of this world and into His kingdom. Investing, sacrificing, giving and serving and loving. Instead of thinking about those neighbors who need to hear the gospel, get out of your chair and go and talk to them. And don't just pray that God will bring someone else. Step up. Because it's a whole lot harder to sin against someone you love. Like We started out somewhere along there, didn't we? It's a whole lot harder to sin against someone you love. Sin is certainly evidence of how much we are loving our God if we're so willing and so easy to sin against him. Yeah, my friends, I hope I've changed your mind about your sin today. I hope the Spirit of God has pricked your conscience on this. And it will begin to take this seriously, identify it. I know, and you probably could guess it, that one of my vulnerabilities is, is behind a steering wheel. And I watch people do horrible things, and I can identify all the things they should be doing based on every class I had of drivers. And why are they? That's me. I'm wrestling with that. I'm trying to do driving differently. Starts with a prayer. God, help me to honor you the way I drive my car today, the way that I see people going by for whom Christ has died. I've got to change something about me if I'm going to stop sinning. Sin starts with an idea, my friend. And sin stops with a different one completely. Live for Him. Life is better when you're honoring Him and you have nothing to cover nothing to hide. Come clean. God help us.